All right, we are live for the Mike and Mario Show Friday edition. And uh, boy, do we have some interesting topics to touch on today. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. As always, uh, Mario, it's good to connect with you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, and it's good to, to connect with you as well, uh, Mike. Yes, we have a lot of uh, things to talk about. Maybe we can start with the uh, Russian ruble. Uh, I noticed today we, we made a new low in terms of the dollar. We mm-hmm. traded down to 58 and uh, we were speaking uh, a little bit before we started out. And, and I think um, if you uh, reference, well, I'm going to reference Jim Sinclair mm-hmm. you know, from uh, JS Mindset. He was Mr. Gold in the 70s. And he said that the currency of a country is really the common stock of the country, of the economy. So if the dollar, for example, is doing well, that means the economy is doing relatively well. Uh, so I think this is pointing to uh, forecasting because a common stock usually uh, discounts uh, forward uh, events. So I, I think uh, the fact that uh, Russia is such a resource-rich nation, mm-hmm. has a lot of commodities and uh, uh and exports it and gets a lot of its revenues from from there. This yeah. is showing that uh, the future, maybe medium term future, is mm-hmm. pretty good for commodities and Russia. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know, it's interesting how, as of right now, the ruble has caused such a stir in the currency market. At the same time, all fiat currencies you know the currency war that's been underway for quite some time which is the race to zero uh utilizing currencies to you know prop up weaponize destroy purchasing power rob savers but then again the russian ruble you know in in terms when you compare it to the global standard which is the usd for it to be strengthening right now to me it only highlights more of the importance of why it's strengthening and that has a lot to do with you know the mention of they're using the words gold a lot over there they're using uh pay us in our own ruble for energy or you'll freeze in the winter time so it's you know it's linking it and and having the narrative of linking it to real things can strengthen anything you know what i'm saying oh <laughs> so, yeah and uh if you look at russia's uh financial situation their uh, debt to GDP, public debt, is less than 20%. Mm-hmm. Uh, their external debt is very low as well as like less than 40%. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of showing me that the ruble uh, is de facto becoming a uh, hard currency. Mm. Uh, is it? Does it mean it's going to be the major reserve currency? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means that this could be the for- way forward in the multipolar world. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people focus on CBDCs, but I, mm-hmm. I think that's a distraction. That's only a mechanism uh, to move currency around. Yeah. What's really important is what the currencies are, you know, what assets underpin uh, those currencies. And I think the ruble is showing that de facto they're going on a, on a, Honest money, well, relatively honest money, because I don't even trust the Russian government either. But right. uh, uh, they 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 seem to be a, a little more. They uh, uh, they they seem to want to base their currency on 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 reality more right. than we do in the West. Right, and I would say that based upon a narrative coming out of that region, they're just tired of being. Uh, they're they're tired of the dollar dominance. 
and of course the military might that has imposed itself all across the middle east destabilizing things and they're very outspoken against that so their plans to move away from that is becoming obvious just because of what we talked about earlier with gold and energy and them actually having real world items that the world needs but you know just to play a little bit to what you were talking about just looking at their financial conditions for the most part uh you know 291 billion dollars national debt like you know that's that's very small. And I got a, what is it? Population wise, 145. So half the US, give or take. But then again, a GDP, 1.4 trillion. So it's like uh, their yeah. financial books is a lot better than ours at this current moment. But, uh, you know, the um, the GDP seems, you know, the US GDP is 23 trillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, a lot of that GDP in the US is based on deficit spending. Right. And, uh, I don't think Russia is doing uh, that much deficit spending because their uh, debt to GDP is so low. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and on a purchasing parity uh, basis, mm-hmm. I would say the Russian GDP is probably a lot better than, uh, in relative terms, than the the U.S. Right. And um, the other thing about the dollar, if the dollar was as good as gold or silver, a bimetallic dollar. Mm-hmm. If the U.S. respected other countries, <laughs> if they didn't try to use the dollar as a as a weapon, uh, mm-hmm. then why why not keep the dollar? It w- wouldn't be a problem. Right. And I think that's what the Russians and the rest of the world wants. It's not that they want to be you know on top of things and <laughs> be a new empire, even though some people think they want to. Mm-hmm. I think it's more that they want a fair system where countries can trade with each other and not be uh punished under the the thumb (laughs) and fractured yeah punished punished for utilizing or punished for not paying playing along with you know the globalist agenda and so here's a that that other uh the longer term viewpoint uh let me put this visual up real quick uh the longer term viewpoint yeah uh, going back out to i think it's 2014 if i'm not mistaken so this is no, this 2008, 2008. So 2014, you know, right here in the center area is when things really went bananas, and that yeah, was over sanctions. the whole Crimea. Yeah, sanctions. So here, here's just just throwing it out there. I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. You know, based upon the current trajectory of the dollar, you know, or the ruble strengthening against the dollar, what's the probability that because of all this commodity talk and gold talk that it literally strengthens to the point where it returns to pre-crimex levels? To where it becomes the best performing fiat currency in the last decade or two decades, and the world really starts, you know, turning their head and want, wanting to jump on board the ruble train. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, this chart is like a a real eye opener because mm-hmm. at a certain point there, after the war started, it looked like uh, Russia could fail. It was a big yeah. gamble, I think. Right, but the fact that it's turned around so quickly in the dollar, because this mm-hmm. is how many rubles per dollar you get. The fact that we've broken that line, that mm-hmm. trend line, yeah, is very significant. It just goes to show that I actually think it's a it's a big signal that the the debt based dollar system, and it's not just the dollar; it's also the pound, the mm-hmm. euro, the yen. That that's you know that's gone now, right? <laughs> I truly believe this is signaling that. And uh, the other trend line is probably where maybe we could go Mm -hmm. uh, eventually. And uh, 
you know, you have what you have to remember, uh, just because the dollar is worth 40, let's say, ruble, if it goes mm-hmm. down there, yeah. doesn't need to say the dollar is stronger. It's all relative. Right. But uh, and it could even go a lot lower. Who knows where the bottom of this um, chart, uh, chart, might chart might go. Right. And one of the key things that I think would matter to the Russian citizens is that if the dollar, the uh, ruble parity was to go to 40 or below, you know, the, uh, the the purchasing power that they would then be able to have within their own borders, like, you know, sticker prices on the shelves might eventually come down and it would put them in a better position financially speaking. So that's something to pay attention to as well. So, you know, literally speaking, you, they could be better off to where it'd be hard for the West to say that, you know, Russian economy is suffering. The people are, you know, prices are like, Oh, oh really? Okay, sure. Anyway, but uh, that's what's going on. Then also let's touch on just more talks about, you know, the ruble <laughs> Russian minister. You just, I'll let you go ahead and jump on this one. Go ahead. This, this, I got it from you. Yeah, I saw this, uh, tweet a couple of days ago as you can see there 18th of may uh from first squawk i recommend people if you're on twitter to follow first squawk it says russian minister says russia should ask gold for gas Mm -hmm. from eu if further sanctions imposed local media interview uh and gas of course is not uh it's natural gas not the kind of gas uh, that you know petrol that americans call it gas but yeah. again you know you mentioned in the beginning of the, the our uh chat that uh there's a lot of mention of um commodities rubles uh, mm-hmm. and now gold we mm-hmm. had also don't forget uh when the uh russian central bank uh basically offered five thousand rubles per gram right uh for a while you know they're they're basically using gold as as it should right. be used as money. And un- unfortunately for the West, it's a weapon because uh, the central bankers in the West and governments in the West, they hate gold because gold uh, like handcuffs them. It, right. it, 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 it limits their spending power. And, and I think this might be the way that uh, Russia will try to basically bring down the West because mm-hmm. if uh, the Western currencies drop very sharply and very quickly versus gold, yeah, uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's gonna really put a, a dampener on things. And Russia is in a great position because it's got all the resources. Mm-hmm. It's it's got mm-hmm. no debt. Uh, they might not be able to buy Louis Vuitton handbags, <laughs> France <laughs> or BMWs from Germany, but. You know, the majority of Russians are not going to go without, you know, they're going to have right. plenty of food and resources. And it's going to be very cheap for them because um, they've got it all in their domestic market and their right. currency is strong. Right. No need to import real world stuff when you can make it at home. So um, and also, I guess on the, the bigger picture, you know, the ruble has the is the current is the current currency leading the way in this gold energy back commodity de facto, as you mentioned space, but then again, they're a part of a much bigger union and that happens to be the BRICS. And so it's no way that the Russian ruble will get all this attention without eventually, I guess, China wanting in on that at some point, as well as all the other naturally rich countries that are a part of that union uh, getting into play. So this plays into the BRICS uh, meeting that's taking place this week and announcement of an expansion and so I think personally, the Russian ruble will probably 
uh, at some point uh, be the first of many that will open up a, a, a much greater talks of a that, that, that alternative payment system or alternative payment currency. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Or whatever might come first, but uh, just want to put on the screen here just a little bit of a video uh, about the uh, expansion and give me your thoughts on that. What, what, what came to mind when you sorry, when you heard about the whole BRICS expansion situation? Well, uh, that was the Chinese foreign minister I said, who, who said they, they, they want to expand the BRICS. BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Uh, I, I mean, uh, this is uh, almost like a, a lot of people talk about the global South. It's integrating the one belt, one road, uh, Africa, mm-hmm. you know, with South Africa, South America. I mean, it's a real uh, challenge for uh, the United States, the UK, and the EU. Yeah, I know the the uh, Europe and uh, the Americans. They they think of the world as just them, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a whole big wide world out there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's really significant. Uh, And I noticed that uh, before the war in the Ukraine, the president of Argentina uh, and the president of Brazil went to Moscow to Mm -hmm. to meet with Putin. Last year, Brazil surprisingly uh, raised their uh, gold reserves by 60 Mm percent, which I thought was interesting. And and I think this is a long term plan. So yeah. I think they know you're going to need gold, uh, not just commodities like soft commodities, you know, general commodities, because why would Brazil buy so much gold? Well, because they know maybe that uh, this global south financial monetary architecture will need some kind of gold to settle accounts. You, you could, uh, uh, for example, Brazil could export uh, coffee to Russia, Russia export some oil to Brazil. And if there's a, a surplus for Russia of a billion dollars, Brazil will have to send that in terms of gold. Mm-hmm. That's how I think it will work. Or, you know, if the Russians are comfortable with getting the Brazilian currency because it's backed, they could do that as well. Yeah. So you also uh, mentioned something about Israel. Maybe we could touch yeah, up yeah, on definitely. that. So before I jump on that real quick, I just, you know, pulled up something because, you know, uh, BRICS expansion is trending on Twitter. And just, you know, you probably won't be able to see it. I mean, if I said I can zoom in. But at the very bottom here, it says, just talks about uh, just the BRICS. And ha- and this is probably a little bit older. But BRICS has more than 16% share in global trade and represents more than 40% of the world's population. And by them looking to expand that, imagine amount, imagine the increase in the global share trade that will be expanded within that union. And then on top of that, you know, if there were 40% of the world population at that point, Imagine bringing in, you know, more countries uh, would definitely increase that to where you're going to have so much leverage of having half the world under your organization, as well as being the most interconnected trading mechanism that you're going to have a lot of power behind you 
uh, whenever they decide to announce or make some moves and, and where the dollar is no longer needed. But let me grab that article real quick if I can. Uh, let me see. Where is it at? Where did it go? I lost it. Did I lose it? Nope. Give me one second here. Uh, let me find it again. Had so many windows open. Give me one second. Let me bring it back up. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I can just share my two cents on it real quick. But uh, talking about uh, the possibility and the names of some countries being brought into the fold. And it happened to have Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Israel <laughs> as uh, to name the few. So whenever I find an article, I can bring it back up again. But anyway, based, based upon the inclusion possible of Israel, what, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, why I find this article? <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen that. And uh, you told me about that. And uh, to me, it, it might sound a bit counterintuitive that the Israel will play along with the BRICS, mm -hmm. but I think Israel will play along with any uh, organization that benefits Israel. Yeah. And uh, how does Israel benefit the BRICS or the uh, one belt, one road? Well, mm -hmm. just look at uh, Israel's geographical location. It's a gateway from Asia to the Mediterranean. And uh, you kind of maybe understand why the rest of the, that region has been so unstable. Mm -hmm. Because it makes Israel really attractive to the Chinese, to the Russians, to bring yeah. through, uh, you know, to maybe to build a railroad uh, into Israel so they can uh, unload goods into a port in Israel and ship it across to uh, to Europe yeah. or anywhere they want in the Mediterranean. So, yeah, it's a strategic geographical area. And. Uh, Israel would benefit greatly from that. I, I think um, up until the 60s, for example, uh, Lebanon benefited from that geographical position. It was called the Switzerland of the Middle East because it was so strategic. But of course, Lebanon has been a basket case for yeah. decades. So um, yeah, Israel and, and, and what makes it so interesting is that Israel is such a small piece of land, as you mentioned, it has strategic, um, you know, purpose when it comes to being out right off the Mediterranean port wise. But then again, it's surrounded by all of those Middle Eastern nations. And of course, we've been talking about how, you know, China's making deals with Saudi Arabia about getting ready to accept and establish different trading deals and oil and energy. And so just the fact that the West, predominantly the U.S., has decided to try to destabilize that entire region. In cooperation with Israel, because U.S. and Israel are like, you know, mm. like, like this. And so whenever Israel says jump, you know, U.S. jumps and that we've been funding, mm. sending them missiles and all types of stuff there. But it's just interesting how if Israel decides to just go towards the east, does that mean that the partnership between the West, you know, and their control of the U.S. will, will shift? Or is that all the smoke yeah. and mirrors? And uh, they're all in this together anyway type of thing. So I think, uh, no, I think uh, Israel still be closely aligned to the u.s mm -hmm. maybe it's just because the u.s is not as influential as it used to be in that part of the world because mm -hmm. we also saw russia last august uh sign a, a a military defense agreement with the saudis so right. uh it doesn't necessarily mean that israel and the u.s are like uh parting ways yeah very true. Very true. All right. So we are streaming live for those that are tuned in. If you're enjoying the back and forth thus far, hit that thumbs up button, show your support for the channel. 
And uh, let's get it. We'll get ready to throw some, uh, get some questions and answers. We got way more subjects to touch on. So let's get to a couple more subjects. We'll scan through them real quick and share our two cents on it. So let's get right into uh, uh, this whole NATO situation. And so Sweden and Finland seems insisted on trying to join NATO as if like NATO is really needed at this point, other than just to, you know, further put pressure on Russia, make them do something that the world might regret. But uh, with this Turkey situation, you know, you mentioned about, you know, there being some hidden agendas behind that. What, what, what was that you were saying before we went live? Yeah, uh, Turkey, they're like uh, playing hard, uh, you know, hard to get, so to speak, uh, because uh, they're part of NATO and all the countries in NATO need to. Uh, it has to be a unanimous ap- approval. Yeah. And uh I think Turkey is trying to negotiate with Sweden because Sweden has supported the the Kurds, mm-hmm. uh, Kurdish independence, and uh, there's a lot. There's a region in Turkey um, on the border with Kurdistan or Iraq mm-hmm. uh, that uh, they want to break away from Turkey. So I think uh, Turkey is saying, you know, uh, if Sweden wants to be part of NATO, they need to stop supporting the Kurds. Uh, as for Finland. Uh, and Sweden, for that matter, joining NATO. Uh, I think it's another uh, provocation uh, for, you know, they're provoking Russia again. I think Finland, after World War II, it was a special case. Um, they There's a, a term called Finlandization mm-hmm. uh, because Finland became neutral, so it was not supposed to be in uh, NATO or the Warsaw Pact. Yeah. And it worked out really well for Finland. Finland is a very wealthy country. It's part of the EU. But now by joining NATO, I think it's a really bad move for them and for Sweden as well, for that matter. Yeah. So uh, I think it's more and more of this provocation. I don't know what uh, the West and NATO or the US and the UK are playing at. I I just think they want to make things more and more unstable. So, oh, I forgot another thing about NATO. Uh, when countries join NATO, they have to spend their, uh, increase their uh, military okay. spending mm-hmm. quite quite a lot, you know, and those two countries have basically been neutral for more than 50 years. So that's mm-hmm. going to be more more money. Right. Well, right. for the military industrial complex. Unless, you know, less, you know, currency, less taxpayer funds utilized on their in their own country against, you know, for their own citizens, but more towards the globalist agenda. So, mm. uh, you know, I, you know, the, the, the cure to humanity's, you know, woes right now is to eliminate the World Economic Forum and get rid of NATO. If, the, if you were to get rid yeah. of those two entities that are, were not elected by anybody, most people don't even know who's on the board of all yeah. those entities. Maybe they the, care less about them, but yet they seem to have a lot of control over maybe the world all right the, now. Maybe all the central banks as well would uh, be a good thing. Yeah, that, that'd be, yeah. And so, like, to start, like, yeah. So, you know, see, <laughs> we're wishful thinking. But uh, let's keep moving. Uh, we got more subjects to touch mm-hmm. on. Let me just get to it. So let's talk a little bit about China, man. You did a good video earlier talking about China's situation and their zero policy seems to be causing more damage than it actually is helping or is it because stimulus they're, they're while the world is dialing back on you know quantitative their quantitative tightening they're still easing and expanding and it's like okay what what's going on are they locking step here or what but i'm not quite sure but the printing press still seems to be going in china yeah i'm surprised to see that uh, five trillion they've spent already this year 
And uh, I think Shanghai has been under lockdown for since March. Mm-hmm. And and if you look at the commodity uh, Bloomberg Commodity Index, it's been uh, you know it topped in March and it stayed pretty flat. Yeah. And uh, today uh, I spoke about the fact that they cut mortgage rates mm-hmm. in China. Their economy isn't doing well, but uh, I think also later this year Xi Jinping is trying to get um, like another term as a dictator in chief or whatever he is. Really? <laughs> and uh, he, he, he will need the economy to do well. So I'm not surprised they're stimulating. And, and I think uh, we're going to see commodities uh, go, go up again because uh, they're going to try to do as much as possible, I think, to uh, keep this going. Yeah. And, uh, and I also saw an article today that, once Shanghai, the port opens, it could create even more havoc in the West Coast in the U.S. in the in the shipping and supply chain. So it's all a, a big bit of a mess, I would say. Yeah, and so is that you know cutting mortgage, uh, cutting borrowing rates more expected to revive housing sector. So and this thing, okay, so they're trying to revive the housing sector by incentivizing people to go out and you know borrow. But then again, mm. Evergrande and Seneca and eight or nine, I forgot, I, I lost track of the real estate companies that were well over, well beyond their head, ability to be re, repaid back there, um, their their customers. But it's like, okay, their their entire economy has been bit, bent on allowing real estate to be the primary savings vehicle, along with gold and things like that. But and so they're trying to get people back into that same bubble as it's bursting. So it's like something is not right about that. And will people well, fall for a second time? Yeah, I guess they're following uh, the uh, Western model, isn't it? I mean, uh, we had our uh, real estate collapse in 08, and they, they've been repumping it again. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they're not that much uh, clever. You know, they're not that smart either, the Chinese, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, at least they have a lot of gold, and uh, at least they they have a big uh, industrial manufacturing economy. At least they're still also making things. Right, and it's interesting. It's, it's interesting the difference in the fact that you know the Asian region, you know, naturally their citizens have more gold and being encouraged to get gold throughout the last several just throughout this entire transition. Uh, whereas here in the West. You know, other than people who are awakening and tune and tune in and things like this, people be like, you know, why would I want gold? I just want to wear it. If I can't wear it, I, why do I want it? You know, so I, I think it, yeah, sorry. No problem. I, 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 I think the reason why the Chinese encourage the public to buy gold is that um they need to keep the public happy in China because it's a very you know, it's a huge country, and I don't think the the Communist Party is that powerful Mm -hmm. especially if things start getting bad economically and i think they know that uh, the whole currency system is very fragile and inflationary so they they actually uh, (laughs) uh, do that as a way to uh, keep people you know happy but here in the west people don't care they're they're so out of it that uh, (laughs) the politicians uh, keep encouraging us to borrow and spend more but right. um yeah um okay so a couple more topics here and so speaking of gold let's just go ahead and touch on uh the tweet you put out earlier in reference to Harry Dent and his call for uh 9 900 gold in, in a worst case scenario 
uh, of what's coming. But go ahead. I'll, I'll share the. I'll show the video. So this is the video. I actually shared it earlier as well. It says everything bubble will burst. Go to nine hundred Bitcoin at three thousand before hitting five hundred k. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Harry Dent. Uh, I mean, I agree uh, with him that there will eventually be a, a, a collapse of mm -hmm. the economies and uh, that the demographics are, are not great. You know, the baby boomers are retiring. Yeah. And uh, he's using the, the model, the Japanese, looking back, the Japanese there, they started their baby boomers or whatever they call them there, mm -hmm. started retiring in the late 80s, early 90s. And Japan has been in a very, uh, has been a stagnant economy. Mm -hmm. uh, and people call it a deflationary, you know, three lost decades. Mm -hmm. And uh, but if you look at the price of gold in yen, it's gone from 40,000 in the early 90s, and it's almost at 260,000. And why is that? Well, because if the J Bank of Japan wasn't printing uh, money like crazy, uh, the Japanese government would have gone bust already because they have a debt to GDP over 200%. Yeah. So Harry Dent said that the safest place to be is 10-year treasury notes and 30-year uh, bond, treasury bonds. And I don't agree with that because uh, the U.S. is up to here uh, in debt, not mm -hmm. as much as uh, Japan, but it's also got all the unfunded liabilities. So if the economy collapses, who's going to, Where's the taxes gonna? Or the, where are the taxes gonna come from to cover those debt debt payments to repay the debt? And now seeing that uh, a lot of the world doesn't want to invest in treasuries anymore, I, I don't see treasuries as a safe place to be. Mm -hmm. We saw in 2011 when the European sovereign debt crisis happened, it was a deflationary collapse in Greece, Italy. Uh, Portugal, uh, Spain, Ireland, and uh, people weren't rushing to buy their bonds. Their bonds, their yields spiked massively and they were collapsing. So he could be right about the deflation, but I, I think he's wrong about the safety of treasuries. Right. And, uh, and even, you know, yeah. you know what, you know, based upon Harry Dent's viewpoint, I see how, you know, his, his, his cycle, he's a cycles guy. So he demographic, whatever. So I can understand like, he still has a frame of reference of everything returning to some form of normalcy in his future with the Federal Reserve being the uh, the the savior of the day. And given the fact that he, he has yet to mention the reset, the rebooting of the system, the shift out east, he focused solely on what is actually in front of him. So it's only natural based upon history. The Federal Reserve will come in and buy everything up. Well, actually, I don't, think, I don't think he expects the Federal Reserve to come in and do more qe that's the whole thing mm -hmm. so and, where's that so, so that's a good so where would all those funds come from yeah, to support the bonds to then give confidence if the fed doesn't save the day the you uncle sam will go bust right we, you know alan greenspan said a few years ago on tv oh we can always print money the the treasury will never go bust mm -hmm. but according to harry dent the fed's gonna stop and, okay, uh, so that doesn't make sense because someone will have to be the buyer of all those debt instruments because the government is definitely going to issue them. They're going to issue them like never before. Possibly, <laughs> I still have my suspicions as to how you know that the, they may the Federal Reserve may intentionally not come in to save the day, but we'll have to see how it works out. But regardless, yeah. the, it's it's denominated in the Federal Reserve note, aka the USD. So that right there is the weapon. So 
you know, if you, if you get into bonds and if they're denominated in dollars, it's like, what do you still have? What, what will you really have at the end of the day? So nothing. that's the problem, you know, <laughs> nothing. You'll have nothing. Exactly. You'll, yeah. you know, it's going in, to zero. So, yeah. In the old days, you had some gold mm-hmm. back in it. And that's why gold uh, was confiscated in the early 1930s because there was a deflationary collapse. And the only thing that was worth anything was gold. Why mm-hmm. would you confiscate gold if it was so useless in a deflationary collapse? Right. Good point there. Good point there. With a square Mr. Dinaway. Uh, okay. Let's jump right in to some more stuff here. Uh, We've got oh, some so uh, super chats, I think. Okay. Let's uh, uh, those real quick. Uh, okay, let's get it out there. Keenan, appreciate your man. It says, why would the IMF add more yuan? Oh, okay, okay, to the basket with a pending bond clap. Did the Shanghai shutdown provide the leverage? Mm. So I, I didn't. I didn't realize the IMF has have they changed the SDR basket. Yep. So I I did a little thing. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I mentioned that. And it, it, it didn't change much, but I it, it probably got to do with the uh, the reserves uh, that the countries hold. So it, it probably it probably means that the Chinese yuan has become more widely held internationally. So they've adjusted the basket. That's mm-hmm. that's all it is. Uh, so here's our headline here. And this was as of I think it was Monday or Tuesday, but IMF increases weight of US that. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's so the U.S. The, so the the euro was decreased and the yen was decreased, but the dollar and the yuan both got a bump up, you know, a point yeah. or two or so. And so my whole Even rant, the, the pound uh, pound also fell. I, I think it's all got to do with the um, trade flows and the, how well their economies have done. Yeah. Um, so. So we went from 41.73 to 43.38 and 10.92 to 12.28. And so my my thesis was it was a way because somebody mentioned or one of the community members mentioned that, you know, they were scheduled to do this in July. I think it takes effect August 1st or whatever. But then again, they made this announcement earlier than than usual by in May, which is like, OK, why now? What are they trying to do? And my thing was they're just trying to pacify China. To yeah. just give them that illusion that you know their currency can become a reserve asset as well as yeah. if they as if they're waiting on approval from the West. I don't give a damn. I don't. I think, don't, think, uh, I don't think, think it's very significant news. But yeah, anyway. yeah. And I, I think it's I think it's only important in relation to the West continue to control the monetary structure if the hmm. SDR will actually be used as a as the next world reserve currency that oh, everyone yeah. will run to. And I don't think yeah. they will. So you know, the, it's, yeah. It's, the SDR is even worse than fiat currency because it, uh, fiat currency, at least, you know, the country that issues it. Mm-hmm. SDR is just, I think uh, John Extra said, you know, the dollar after 71 is a I owe you nothings. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said the SDRs were who owes you nothing. So you don't know what it is and you don't know who owes you. Right. So, uh, <laughs> SDR is uh a bad idea. Yeah, it's a bad idea, and and we'll, we'll see because because the S watch this. So here's the thing: the SDR could be recognized and acknowledged only if the West give China what they want, which is the BRICS and the AIIB come out with their own. To where you like with, with uh, Jerome Powell talking about there's a possibility of there being multiple reserve currencies, mm. so we can have an SDR interoperable 
or or it could interconnect with the BRICS version, and there'd be two that they try to counterbalance and weigh them however they weigh them against each other. So that could be something that if a compromise was to come about, if it was really about a, the East and West divide, it's a possibility. But uh, to piggyback on that about you know the the, the shutdown providing leverage, um, uh, I'm not quite sure how that would you know provide any more confidence in the IMF system, SDR system. So not sure, Kay, 100%. Um, let's get to the next one. Um, Chris, appreciate your man. It says, can you elaborate more on why you think increasing inflation can cause supply chain shortages? Thanks. Uh, let me see that. I'm not sure if I said that. Is that is that's a statement or a comment you made, uh, Mario? It's a question. I, I didn't make. Uh, I can answer that question, though. Go ahead. Um, well, when you have inflation, um, companies... Uh, uh, margins go down right mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's harder for them to make profits mm-hmm. and uh, they might go out of business uh so if a companies go out of business uh, there's less goods being produced <laughs> right so less goods less less supply right. uh and, and also if the inflation gets out of hand producers won't won't want to sell their goods because Mm -hmm. they know the currency is going down so that disrupts supply you look back at hyperinflation in germany in the 20s and even in france in the 1790s uh farmers go on strike so to speak because they know the currency is bad and they don't want to exchange something valuable for something that um is uh, not not valuable and is losing value quickly. And and mm-hmm. I think a lot of the uh, food price rises uh, that we're seeing in the last two years or so uh, is to do with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Producers, farmers uh, subconsciously feel that, you know, it, it, and I think it was to do with the, the lockdowns when central banks printed trillions upon trillions out of thin air. They realized subconsciously that, you know, this money is funny. <laughs> uh, we want to hold, we want more for our uh, hard earned uh, crops. You know, the, all the work we do. Mm-hmm. Good point there. And, 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 and just, you know, increasing inflation, increasing inflation, increasing inflation can cause supply chain shortages. And that is just, cause oh, I, yeah, I think I talked about the fact as well, that what um, we've seen since uh you know, the fall of Bretton Woods is more and more uh, creation of money and credit, mm-hmm. money going into finance and, and not focusing so much on uh, real things. Yeah. And, and I and even though we're led to believe we've had, you know, 30 years of uh, very low inflation, I, I think it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of inflation. It's mostly going into finance. Uh, and now it's starting to go into real goods. And we, we find that uh, because of financialization, we've neglect, neglected infrastructure and uh, real things. Right, right. And just, you know, look at the overall cost of living and how it's eroded the family structure as far as, you know, single income, double income. Now you, you maybe need third, three, four, got the kids working <laughs> and everything in between. So, you know, the purchasing power has been eroded throughout uh, the last several years and it's only increasing. And the fact that the federal reserve and central banks now are admitting it, that 
they're having some issues. Let me get to this article real quick if I can find it. Uh, the one I mentioned, let me see, where's it at? Uh, did I got it? Damn, I don't got it. But it was talking about the IMF was worried about prolonged inflation and things getting out of hand. Of course, they're you know trying to use the Ukraine war situation and the zero policy in China uh, as excuses as, excuse, as to why. Yeah. Let me. Uh, I think the it article. was uh, the managing director of the IMF, George. Yeah. yeah. Let me grab that article. Just and I, she, I thought that was interesting. How actually, they're, they're... Uh, I think she was at a a few weeks ago with she was sitting down with Lagarde and Powell, yeah. and she she admitted, yeah, we. Yeah, you know, we printed too much money, and it's not surprising. It's yeah, coming home to roost. It's like she's trying to. Uh... <laughs> it was amazing that she said that, and they and they were just sitting there listening to her, like, "Wow, she said that." Like, but they could, at this point in the game, they can say it because it'll go under the radar for you know those that have no clue what's going on. But only people who are aware of them being the actual problem would yeah. actually pick that up. But here's the article I was referring to uh, about yeah. uh, multiple inflationary shocks amid market jitter. So. Um, yeah, it's just these people, man. These people here. Have... Uh, the, the term multiple inflationary shocks, uh, I think that's a, like a misrepresentation. Mm-hmm. It's just an inflationary. Uh, it's the consequence of decades of inflation. Uh, yeah, yeah. By talking about multiple shocks, it looks like it's something that's. It's just uh, a global. It, yeah. Of well, a global. Yeah, yeah, global, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, global, not multiple, because the multiple makes it seem like it's, it's certain pockets, like it's this country, yeah. this country, this country, rather than saying it's the entire she should, she should, structure. She should have said uh, warns of central bank uh, induced inflation. <laughs> that would be the, the, the real truth. But she works for the central banks, I guess. So Right. There's only so much truth they can let leak out. But anyway, let's get to some more questions. Uh, Mario, scan through the scan through the chat. Yeah. See what you see. Highlight at rethinking dollar to stand How out. How many countries are undergoing collapse at present time? Douglas uh, Stajkal. How many countries are undergoing collapse at the present time? Well, <sighs> Ooh, Sri, Lanka, Sri Lanka, I guess Lebanon has been going on for two years. Uh, Western Europe, <laughs> the EU, the UK. Um, I mean, there's quite a few, I think. Yeah. Um, and the best I'm trying there was I forgot there was a website where so the best way to to determine or to to, to 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 recognize which ones are failing and how fast, just look at the currencies. Yeah. And so look at the currencies, you know, when they're measured against the USD. Yeah, Those are emer- emerging emerging markets, whatever wherever they all fall up in that category, the ones that are taking the fastest are the ones where yeah. They're having the most issue, and so yeah, one Iran, of the main Argentina, yeah, I think the whole the U.S. as well. You know, the dollar looks strong versus other fiat currencies, but I, I, I don't think it's in good shape. Lebanon, Japan, yeah, Japan, I agree. Canada soon. Uh, we got Syria, <laughs> uh, Venezuela. We got Turkey. Uh, port Port Film Co op. What's uh, that? He's got a super chat there. Uh, what do you guys think of the the WHO treaty? I think it's great. Uh, <laughs> I'm, be, I'm joking. I don't think it's great. Uh, it, well, I think it's another move towards global government mm-hmm. because it's giving giving the head of the WHO, which is 
heavily financed by George, uh, no Bill Gates, mm-hmm. <laughs> the power to to tell us what we can, can and cannot do. Yeah, it's a bad thing. I signed a petition here in the UK. We, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for a Parliament to look into the matter. I don't know if they're going to do anything about it. Yeah, uh, this is of concern. And it's amazing that Fox News, Tucker Carlson, he's been getting a lot of heat lately, but he's been given permission, I guess, because he's reading from a teleprompter. So whoever's writing his script is obviously a part of the CNN, MSNBC. So they all like, you know, went to the same school and study together and hang out together. So the fact that his script is different, everybody else's script is like, that's that good guy, bad guy. The fact that he's allowed to see, say stuff. But then again, it only furthers the narrative of, you know, the extremists, the extreme right. It's yeah. a lot of the div- divisive, you know, labels right now. We got the extreme right. We got uh, the uh, the terrorism bill that's been put forth. We got the price gouging bill, that which is unre- unrelated to this. But so yeah. it's, just, it's amazing how certain things are able to slip and some things are not. But once again, we got the primary concern here is midterms. So we got a lot of, you know, the returning politicians back. They're getting their seats back, apparently. But. That's what they're focused on. But they're not talking about the underlying issue of this pandemic treaty, which is like they know about it, but they're not saying nothing about it. So, yeah, he went to Tucker Carlson. Uh, he went to uh, the same uh, high school or a prep mm-hmm. school called St. George's School uh, mm-hmm. as Vincent Astor, John Jacob Astor, uh, Prescott Bush. So he, he, I mean, it doesn't mean that he's working for the, these people, but right. I, I actually, you know, he might be reading from the teleprompter, but he could be writing for, you know, what's on the teleprompter. It which could be, be what he thinks. Which, which, which would be good if it was his own thoughts. And so yeah. uh, did, did you see that? Uh, so I think the quote about Elon Musk saying that, you know, whoever reads from the teleprompter is the real president. <laughs> no, whoever uh, writes. Writes, yeah. <laughs> what's on the teleprompter is the real president, yeah. I thought that was funny. Uh, all right, so let's get some more questions. Uh, feel free to throw out thoughts, ideas, suggestions, questions, whatever. I see more people giving out countries that are failing. Haiti. Uh, or Haiti. Well, I think Haiti is being a basket case forever, so. Yeah. And they and so in a, another indicator, another way to tell which countries are not doing well, look who the IMF have have extended loans to because <laughs> they're further enslaving yeah. them with debt. So, yeah, all the IMF uh, participating members is borrowing is in trouble. I guess Ukraine isn't doing too well. Right. But then again, we just passed 40 billion last week. And then like the next day, Biden asked for 100 million worth of military aid. Yeah, so I, I wonder uh where that 40 billion is really going uh yeah it's going it's been funneled through the two big to fail banks into and it's been divvied up into like you know the military industrial complex accounts pharmaceutical accounts yeah politicians i don't think it's really gonna help the people of the ukraine oh it's not getting to ukraine and and i haven't really so i haven't really covered or talked about ukraine much but from what you've been paying attention to because the pictures we were getting out of Ukraine, they show buildings burning and cities demolished. So I'm thinking like those pictures could have been like from 10, 12 years ago. Who knows? I don't really think there's as much destruction taking place in Ukraine as the media wants us to believe because Pelosi went, Trudeau went, you know, everybody doing, you know, guest appearances, meeting Zelensky over there. Either they're not really in Ukraine or Ukraine is not as bad as far as they're being war torn. Similar mm. to like Iraq and, yeah. you know, you wouldn't go into Iraq and Saudi Arabia and that's already Iraq and other countries when they were in the middle of war to do press ops 
So, <laughs> yeah, man, these these people are fun. Anyway, uh, what else we got here? It says ten uh, percent for the big guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that's what four billion. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the Biden family, I'm sure, is doing quite well. And where's Hunter at? It's good to say he's nego- he's shaking some deals and negotiating as well. So uh, Hunter must be at the uh, what's that place called? Uh, the Bohemian Grove. So ISP, ISP, this is interesting. So once again, this is just, you know, taking out far left field. Put your tinfoil hat on here, but it's a possibility. It says, why would the globalist use a clone of Biden instead of the real guy? Because the real guy's not around anymore. I mean, right. And, and speaking of which, I put something on my on my telegram a, a moment ago. Let me uh, let me copy copy posey. So this is what I put out there. It's just you know, this just you know, I, I like going far left field. I got my tinfoil hat. I keep it right by my side because <laughs> you never know when I want to go far left field. But just look at this picture here. Uh, we'll put it on the screen here. Look at this picture here, and tell me don't something don't look right. Something doesn't look right as to how both of these young men have aged. Like I, you know, I've aged, I've changed, but these guys look like two different gentlemen as they've yeah, aged. Yeah, well, the thing is, those pictures are, I mean, what ten years apart or more? People do yeah. change, you know. But uh, yeah, but I just, um, you know, I, and I was just, I guess I like Putin is uh, put on a bit of weight. Yeah, but then you go you, you, when you go when you dive deep, you look at the ear structure, you look at the ear, mm-hmm. the I mean the well, nose, yeah, point, fat it, round ears. It could be the angle as well of the photo. I, I mean, I, I think this. Okay, yeah, okay, I'll leave it alone. It's I'll a leave it bit alone. Too much. I, I know what you mean, though. The, they do look, uh, it's like the queen here. Uh, the other day, she went out for uh, some kind of horse uh, riding event. Mm-hmm. And she looked completely different than the pictures we've seen of her. And someone mm-hmm. said, oh, it's one of her, uh, you know, doubles. But uh, people are always speculating about those things. Yeah. And I just think like at this current moment with the technologies available, there's a mm-hmm. lot more out there than we are allowed to Anything know. And- I, I saw the other day there's a a little uh, they adapted a little uh, video of the debate between Trump and Biden. And they made mm-hmm. them look like babies. Yeah. That was creepy, but it was really good. <laughs> so they can uh, do anything, <laughs> right? Especially with you know the the camera tricks, making mm. make, make you hey make you think you're on a on the uh on this on a space station. Yeah, we we <laughs> could uh, do the Mike and Mario show, and we could look like a uh, two year olds, you know. Right, that would be funny. We might try that. Here's a question <laughs> here from Brooks. It says, uh, uh, "What happens when we go into a deflationary event with ISM hitting all time lows?" Uh, well, I, I think that will be heavy uh, loads, high unemployment, bankruptcies. Uh, yeah, it won't be pretty. Uh, yeah, and speaking of which, let's uh, let me see. Let me pull this up real quick. Let's and I think the... Uh, the politicians and the central bankers will try to uh, fight that tooth and nail, and that's why I think they'll continue to print and uh, stimulate. Yeah, let me. So, what's the manufacturer index? What is I haven't checked it in a minute. Where are we at? ISM, Ooh, it's we. above 50. I think he means if it goes below 50. Yeah. You know, uh, above 50 means it's the, the economy is expanding. Yeah. Below 50 is contracting. So, I mean, if you go max, you know, it got below, got down Ooh. to 40 during COVID, which was, which was yeah, normal yeah. because they shut the economy down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, 
So, but as of right now, it's you know it's, it's, still, it's trendy. It's the trendy. trend isn't good, is it? The trend right, is not trendy. at all. Trend is not our friend on this one. So, uh, yeah, it's just you know, and I, and I think there's so many indexes and you know metrics that we yeah. can use. Yeah. Also, everything going, and so and don't and forget why, the, the the don't forget the ISM is uh, a survey of uh, managers purchasing managers. It's not a real real data. It's like right. how they feel things are going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a uh, comment here. Uh, Ahmed Sircano and Charles de Gaulle stood up against Nixon, shockwave, full faith and credit, call it calls for the SDR. <laughs> yeah, I know. De Gaulle was, uh, he was a gold bug, so to speak. He made mm-hmm. a speech. All right, uh, I heard yeah, that. he was pro gold. Uh, what else we got? Okay, so let's, uh, let me see. It says, what is, so Mar- uh, LBP, low blood pressure, said, what is the next <laughs> crisis? That is, uh, you know, you know, that's that is there is a is a false, uh, not a, fa- a false flag. There's so uh, they probably are. They probably are all false flags, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're they're they're, they're all flags. That's for sure. <laughs> but the next, I, I think the next thing that could be of concern. Let me see if I got Mon- monkeypox. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, that's on the what table. Rolf Steiner thinks. Yeah, I was reading about that. Apparently, it only affects a certain group of people. Yeah, you know, like uh, gay men or something like that. But uh, uh, who knows? Yeah. So th- this is an event that is brewing. You know, China launches military exercise in South mm. China Sea as Biden visits Asia. So China Taiwan situation is is yet to fully unfold. Even though we yeah. we all kind of suspect that at some moment a, a move will be made, and then we'll see if, what the West does. Because with the with the Russian ruble now taking more of a dominant role in the fiat realm because of linkage to gold silver china has been making preparations for the day that they might fall under the sanctions as well so they mm. might say to hell with it let's just go ahead and do this just go just yeah. go take back to taiwan we will get sanctioned we will get put on the removed from the swift mm. then the chinese yuan gold peg becomes a topic and then gold yeah. and commodity. so that could be that next catalyst of the yuan being brought out, you know, they mentioned the gold if they decide or, to go into or the or the next crisis. I think what we are in it is the inflationary uh, crisis that will uh, probably lead could lead to hyperinflation. I mm-hmm. think uh, we're already uh, the central banks are not doing enough to stop inflation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, of course, we had that uh, shooting in Buffalo and the, the Domestic Terrorism Act bill that was passed in the house and so let's end talking about the uh the price gouging bill oh okay um let me grab that real quick but that right there is uh let me see let me pull it up real quick but the price gouging bill uh bill so yeah so this is being sold as oh it's going to help us control you know the evil the evil uh, energy companies says house passes bill to crack down to crack down on gasoline price gouging. So ultimately, they're they're pointing fire, they're pointing gas on a fire and expected it to go down. <laughs> Richard Nixon tried that in the early seventies, price controls, and yeah. it led to more shortages, higher prices. So, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I guess Congress is insane <laughs> uh, because the definition of insanity is like you keep doing the same thing that doesn't work. Right. 
So yeah, so basically we have you know ex- you know relatively high prices now, so expect higher. <laughs> and then I think there's an article saying Washington State there's gas stations that don't have it gas, so they're having to you know increase the prices severely for what they do have left. So um, yeah, more more problems, man. But anyway, we're approaching our 55 minute mark, and we've been going at it, man. So Mario, let's get ready to dial back. As always, for those that have plugged in with us, we appreciate you. Manico 64 on YouTube, rethinking a dollar wherever you can find me. Uh, let's end on a good note, man. Uh, what comes to mind, Mario? Give us some good news to sign off with. Good news. Uh, well, I mean, don't mean to put you on a spot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I just uh, think that um, I don't see uh, that, you know, the only good thing that uh, I'm seeing is that uh, the system is like uh, unraveling. Uh, the central bankers are losing control. And that's a good thing because uh, we need to uh, we need to uh, go in a better system or we need to find sanity. Uh, but it's going to be, unfortunately, it's going to be uh, disruptive. But hopefully the, for the people who follow us, uh, it won't be surprising to them. I, I would say that's the good news. Right, right. I mean, that's definitely. So, you know, the good thing is more people are waking up to what's really happening. And so the lies are becoming harder to uh, spread because we, you can tell the, the alternative media is doing a good job because they were attempting to come out with the misinformation board or trust ministry of trust but that got shot down temporarily but then again on all the platforms all if you want to find truth or the closest thing to it look for wherever they've tagged fact checkers or they say this is misinformation or this is you know quoted it quoted wrong and then do your own research on top of that and you'll get close to the truth and more people i think will are doing that and will do that and the truth will set you free you know, I'm saying 100. percent So it's no matter what you do a, from that point on, but that's a good way to wrap it up. This yeah. truth shall set. All right, people. Well, hey, uh, once again, appreciate you for blessing us with your time and presence. Be blessed. Be safe. Have a great weekend. Back at it again next week because there's gonna be always something to talk about. So we'll try to do our best to keep you guys plugged in. Peace. Peace.